podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittramelides, uh, alongside Sydney. Hello Sid. Hello Phil, how are you? I'm alright mate. You? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. You only went to one football match this weekend. I know. That's pathetic. I know, it's rubbish, isn't it? What kind it was, of thing You know is what? This? I genuinely, also, not only did I only go to one game, but it was a late game on a Sunday. Yeah, so you had... I sort of had a weekend. That is Which weird. I spent watching football, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good. That, that is slightly reassuring. Um, let's tell you what happened on match day 20. We're past the halfway point now in the La Liga season. This was the first round of matches in the second half of the season. It all kicked off on Friday night with uh, Levante and Valladolid playing out a 2-2 draw. All four goals coming in the second half. Wesker and Villarreal playing out a 0-0 draw. Oh, that was awful. The... I was doing it for the radio. It was oh, so yes. bad. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was probably the most predictable result yes. of the weekend, given that they're the two teams with most draws in La Liga. It was their 10th draw of the season. Half of their games. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's mental. You saw Unai Emery the other week and he said, we're drawing too many games. Yes, and so the next game they <laughs> well, drew. Well, he's right. Yeah. Uh, Sevilla beat Cadiz by three goals to nil. A hat-trick from Yusuf Nesiri, his uh, second hat-trick of the month. Scored a hat-trick in their last home game against Real Sociedad. Uh, put three past Cadiz, aided by some uh, not brilliant Cadiz defending, uh, but still up to 12 goals now uh, in the season. Yusuf Nesiri level on goals with Luis Suarez. More on him in just a moment. Real Sociedad and Real Betis played out a very entertaining 2-2 draw. La Real were 2-0 up, seemingly in cruise control. They had a good, good chance to make it 3-0, yeah. which Gorosavel didn't take. And then, on 77 minutes, Joaquin comes on. In the 85th minute, he provides a brilliant assist for Canales to make it 2-1. And in the 92nd minute, Joaquin scores his first goal of the season to make it 2-2. He's 39 years old. I love, uh, there's a couple of things about this I love. Well, there are many things about this I love. Just putting Clark in on the pitch, I, I think, is brilliant. <laughs> I genuinely think that with a, the exception of Canales, he's better than all the other Betis players, even now, even at this age. Um, he was asked after the game what the plan was, and he said, a la desesperada, desperation, really. Yeah. Just chuck me on and see what <laughs> happens. Um, and there was a nice statistic pointed out by one of the TV channels last night. Uh, Joaquin has now scored in La Liga, in four different decades. Oh, wow. You probably won't... In the, in the 90s, the zeros, the 10s and 20s. Yeah, probably won't thank the, the TV for putting <laughs> that out. But, but still, um, Alaves won Real Madrid 4. Uh, a brace from Karim Benzema helping Real Madrid bounce back from their Copa del Rey humiliation last week while they were knocked out in the uh, round of 32 by third-tier Alcoyano. Uh, Zinedine Zidane tested positive for COVID, uh, so he was at home, uh, on the phone to his assistant, David Batoni, who uh, took charge. Yeah, and who also looked slightly perturbed by some of the things that Zidane seemed to be saying to him. He does have a sort of constant perturbed look about him, David Batoni. Yeah, he really does. But he oversaw um, much improved performance and and a very good win for for Real Madrid. It's three consecutive defeats for Alaves since Abelardo took over. There has not been a a new manager bounce yet. Um, They they lost in the Copa del Rey and then their two league games were against Sevilla and Real Madrid, so two uh, quite difficult games but still uh, they could potentially be in trouble they dropped into the relegation zone Alaves and were overtaken in the table by Osasuna who won uh, 3-1 against uh, Granada ending Osasuna their 13 match winless run uh, their 17th uh, Alaves are now 18th Elche nil Barcelona 2 a fourth consecutive league win for uh, Barcelona an own goal and Ricky Puig scoring a header yeah 
He's five foot five. He's five foot five. I mean, I suppose if you had the hair, he's about eight foot four. Yeah, well. He's got a magnificent kind of bouffanty sort of quiffy thing. Yes. Um, he described it as a bit surreal. Yes. I suppose he's right. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, more on that in just a moment. Celta won, A-bar won. Uh, Celta ending a run of four consecutive defeats in all competitions. They probably had chances to win it as well. Uh, but a brilliant goal from Brian Hill... Uh, talking of uh, fantastic hair, his yeah, yeah, floppy hair, sort of floppy, yeah, all over the place. Uh, he looks like he could be in a sort of no- late nineteen nineties American rom com. He does. Yeah. He also looks like he could be in in a sort of I suppose a similar era kind of indie band. Indie band. Yes, uh, you you get the picture. Anyway, he scored a brilliant volley uh, to get a point for Abar at Celta. And then the final game of the weekend saw Atletico Madrid beat Valencia by three goals to one. It is twenty one games unbeaten at home in La Liga now for Atletico. They came from behind. Uh, Rassi gave Valencia the lead, but João Félix, Luis Suárez and Ángel Correa uh, ensuring that Atletico Madrid are seven points clear at the top of the table with a game in hand as well. Mm. Uh, that's where we'll start because you were there last night. It was the one game you went to this weekend. A good one to go to. Yes, it was a good one to go to. And and they. it felt like a game where... It's curious because the reaction to this, I think, has been to suggest that Atletico Madrid look really, really strong, that this is a really big step towards the title. I felt in the second half that they actually lost a little bit of control. I felt like this wasn't one of those two ones that you think to yourself, right, once in the lead, that's it, it's done. That said, they played their way out of trouble from the back really nicely a couple of times, in particular on the Suarez goal, which is a brilliant move. And if you get the chance to see the whole move all the way through, do. Um... And then they get the third goal. And actually, although they were in in that position, which I, at least in the stadium, felt it's not entirely secure this. It doesn't entirely convince. But they did find a way through it. It was against, in theory, a good team. Now, obviously, we know that Valencia are in practice, not the team that they probably should be. But in theory, a good team. They had come from a goal down and it's a goal out of nothing. So, you know, without that goal, you might say, well, you know, if you don't score an absolute, you know, an absolutely brilliant goal out of, out of nowhere, then you don't score against them at all. Um, the the way that they played showed a certain degree of variety. Again, they were a team happy to bring the ball out from the back, pushing players forward. Some of those, some of those those sort of slight twists on the way they play that we've seen a lot this year. Uh, I think there are some question marks with Atletico Madrid, and, and obviously, in a way, I, I feel it's kind of unfair to even pose the question marks because they're playing so well and their results are so good. But I guess if you've got a team that's in the lead at the top of the table, seven points clear with a game in hand, in a way. The, the way you focus on shifts. It shifts from what are they doing right to is there a chance that they get this wrong? Is there a chance that they they get caught? Mm. And they don't really have a replacement for Trippier. Um, the the decision to play Carrasco on the right in the second half I think worked reasonably well. But I thought they were a little bit more vulnerable than they might have been. I thought Lodi looked a little off the pace, which is not surprising because he hasn't played very much. Um, but all in all, this is a really, really good team. It is. It is. One that is seven points clear, as we said, at the top of the table with a game in hand on Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. Um I don't know, you don't necessarily seem that convinced or as convinced as other people that they're definitely going to go and win the league. Well, uh, you, keep, you keep saying to me they're going to have a blip. I they're think they'll have, have a blip. blip. My, my, my doubt, I suppose, is whether that blip will be big enough to really push them off the track. Um, because, And I suspect it won't be. I, I think they are strong enough to do this. I think they have enough quality. I guess one of the things is, as I say, in a way, just the mindset shifts. When a team's this far clear, the mindset shifts from how good are they to, all right, where's the chink in the armour, if you like. Um, So I think that's part of it. 
I, I also think that, that you look at them and, you know, it's Atletico Madrid and you know that the pressure will build. I think that there are a handful of players they probably can't do without. And to be honest, I do think Trippier is maybe one of them. And, and so I, I think this next month will be that little bit harder for them. I think I seen, I wouldn't call it a vulnerability because you can't look at Atletico and say they're vulnerable. I, I think I've seen that's just that sense that this is not absolutely assured. Obviously, look, we know Luis Suarez was 34 yesterday. was his birthday when he scored. Um, we know the condition of his knees, so we know that the likelihood is he doesn't, you know, doesn't perform all season. But then they've bought a replacement now, or at least they've bought a backup now. Although we haven't actually seen Moussa Dembele play yet. Um, I I wonder about the role of one or two of the midfielders. Whether Llorente, who was again brilliant in the second half yesterday, whether he will find it slightly harder if they don't get the right back decision. Right, because I, I can't stress enough how important he and Trippier were together, and whether or not that might be might be difficult. But look, this is you know this is a team that they 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 just keep on winning. Uh, one thing I, no- I noticed in one of the Sunday papers, I think it was talking about Luis Suarez statistics. Yes, that he is the player in La Liga with the biggest gap between I think expected goals and actual goals. Now obviously there's two ways to read that. One is to say this guy is incredibly efficient. Yeah. And we know that and throughout his career he has been. Although actually there have been periods in his career where he's missed chances as well as scored them. The other one of course is I suppose from a pessimistic point of view and I'll admit that maybe this is me looking at this and thinking well you know I wonder where the problem lies. Does that suggest at some point this regresses to mean? Does that suggest at some point this just can't be sustained? And maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later on when we talk about in the series for example. In the series current statistics will not continue, or I say will not, who knows it's football, should not continue for the rest of the season. Um, But, of course, this is the big thing. Atletico have given themselves the chance to have a wobble now. You know, seven points for the game in hand is massive Mm. halfway through the season. If I mean, let's, let's look at this in very basic terms. If you said at the start of the season, here's the teams, but at the end of the year, we're going to add seven points to Atleti's total. Will they win the league? We'd probably say, yeah. 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 It's not often they've been that far. I mean, I know they were last year, but it's not often they've been that far off the top. Um, let's talk about some uh, individuals uh, in the game. Xiao Felix coming into the starting mm. eleven for the uh, for the first time in a few matches. He'd been on the been on the bench. Uh, he hadn't scored since November. Yeah, in, I must admit, I hadn't realised that until after the game, and someone pointed it out. Yeah. Um, I thought that we saw things from him that tell us why he's different to the others. Okay. Um, why he different in a good way? Yes. Okay. Creative. Um, he he goes at people. He didn't go at them that much yesterday. He scores a really nice first goal, um, which is not the kind of goal you expect from him. I still think there's a little, perhaps a lack of spark about him. Hmm. You know, we've used the phrase before, electric, when when we talk about Correa. Correa is not as talented as Joao Felix, but there is that little something that's a little bit more maybe a little bit more alive about him now that's not necessarily to say that's everything because Jao Felix has the subtlety the creativity the vision the inspiration um, but I think he's going to be very important Jao Felix if they are going to continue winning and obviously the big thing in this I suppose is that these are games they used to draw and they're not mm-hmm. drawing them now hmm. um, n- not a coincidence that they've got a, a killer up front in Luis Suarez and, and it's interesting as well isn't it the the different way in which you do, judge sorry do they say that in English they don't say do they a killer a killer in you know in, in Spanish an, ass- an assassin re- would you call him an assassin well you could call him all sorts of things but um, do you call him a killer is a striker a killer 
I don't know. They do call it that. I, they say I, that in I, Spanish. We've been yeah. out of England too long. We don't we have, know we if that's sometime, a real English phrase or not. Sometimes we forget how to speak English. Anyway, um, yeah. so, uh, what I was going to say is it's interesting, isn't it? The way that you can read players differently based on context. Hmm. So, Luis Suarez is not really scoring at any different rate to what he did at Barcelona. But Barcelona wasn't enough. And I'm reminded of a comment, and I think it was Alfredo Elanua, who was the editor of Asset at the time, about Michael Owen when he was at Real Madrid. And the comment which always made me laugh enormously was he's, oh, he's, he's, he's vulgar. Yeah, I mean, in Spanish, he's not quite vulgar. Bulgar, you know, he's, he's very basic. Yeah. This. All he does is score goals. <laughs> and I remember thinking, first of all, right, that's what this game's about. But there is an element of truth in that, in that a club like Madrid and Barcelona, maybe you demand more, uh, that Luis Suarez, people looked at the physical condition, they looked at the slowness and all the rest of it, and it wasn't enough for them. But actually, his statistical contribution was huge. And I just wonder if maybe at Atletico Madrid, because the context is different, you're saying, okay, if he spends 90 minutes and we don't see a huge amount from him, but he scores that decisive goal, and I think he's been decisive now in four of Atletico's last five games. I think he's Mm -hmm. the one that scored the goal that's provided the points. Then that's fine. And it's partly about your demands and your expectations. And that side of the game, I think, was never a doubt. Now, there were doubts... I guess, which resurfaced a bit after the derby when he was asked to go long and play long and they were looking for him long and actually he can't do that role. There's no point in asking him to do that role. But most of the season, they haven't asked him to. Hmm. And, and I think that derby, they might still look back on that with a little bit of regret that they, that they weren't able to have more players higher up the pitch closer to him. Well, there's another derby coming up in March, at the start of March, I think. Yeah. So let's see uh, how how that gets on. Uh, Atletico Madrid have won 15 of their 18 games. They've only lost one, that derby. They've only conceded eight goals. They've scored 36 as well. They're looking very good. Mm. Uh, the other... One very brief thing, Go sorry. On. Just um, Mario Ramoso is another player who I think they can't afford to lose. OK. I think his ability to bring the ball out from the back is absolutely vital for this team. I think as we saw in that goal. I think he's yeah. really, really important, whether it's as a kind of centre-back, an orthodox centre-back, as a, or as a sort of centre-back turned left-back when they have this weird hybrid system. And the other player who I was watching last night, I thought, when did Savage become this good? Mm. Really had. I mean, just the calmness yeah. about him as well. He, he was exceptional last night, and he's been exceptional all year. And this is a player that actually, in truth, in previous seasons... I'm not sure we always felt this about him. Absolutely not in previous seasons. Definitely not. Um, Okay, um, Atletico Madrid, top of the table, scrolling down, 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 down. You can see Valencia in in 14th. They've only won four of their 20 matches so far this season. They're on 20 points, um, just two points above the relegation zone. Uh, Elche are 19th on 17 points, but they've played two games fewer than, than Valencia as well. Just to put this in context, it was Valencia's lowest points tally at the midway point of the season uh, since the 1982-1983 season, a season where they avoided relegation just by the skin of their teeth on the, on the final day. That's a real possibility, isn't it? I think it is. It I is. mean, it has to look, be, I've, I've been at their last two games, obviously, I was at yes. Mustaya against Osasuna and I was at this one. And in both games, I saw moments where I thought, OK, you know, this isn't a team that should be in trouble. And then yet saw other moments, other points in the match where you thought, God, this is so bad. Mm. You know, the, the failure to pick men up, the failure to make challenges, the failure to take chances on the rare occasions when they, they appear, the, the, just a sort of the sense of insecurity, which I guess on one level is, is natural and it becomes self-perpetuating as well. That's the other thing. Um, but, I mean, look, are they better than five or six other teams in La Liga in terms of personnel? Yes. But I'm not sure they are as a team. I guess uh, Wesker look like they're not far off being... Um, um... 
well, disenganchados, you know, they're the sort of uh, drift, uh, adrift, adrift, cut adrift, adrift, cut, yeah, cut adrift cut at adrift, the bottom. Yeah. So then you're looking at two other teams and Valencia should be able to stay up. But it's still not looking very good for them. In fact, the whole, I mean, the whole situation with Peter Lim, if you analyse what Peter Lim has done there and what his plans are for the future, it's pretty grim for Valencia. Yes. He's not going anywhere anytime soon unless he can sell the club for more or less what he paid for it, 200 million euros, yeah. which doesn't look particularly likely because it's devalued and the whole world has I, gone I mean, to for pop. what it's worth, I don't think he necessarily wants to go either. Hmm. I think he... I think he would have seen a business element to Valencia. I also think he would have seen a sporting element. I don't think it would have been purely business. I think that the asset stripping that we've seen at the moment is partly a business model, partly a response to the pandemic and the crisis that that imposes. I think, in theory at least, um, putting your weight behind the youth system, of course, works. But the practicality of that isn't looking quite so good because Ferran Torres has has gone and they got good money for him, but possibly not as good as they could have done with hindsight. Well, 25 million euros exactly. for one of the best young Spanish Exa- players. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, depending on what happens to the market now, because the market might collapse in a few years' time, we might look at that and think, actually, that wasn't a bad amount of money. But they, they've managed to get Yunus Musa to renew, but they haven't yet got Canyon to renew. And Canyon mm. is the kind of the, if you like, the, 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 the standard bearer of this whole thing. And here's a question for you. And I was thinking this the other day, and I think, I, I think I'm being over harsh, but I, I, I might as well pose the question because I was thinking it, and I admit that I was thinking it. Is Canyon any good? I mean, it's not an illegitimate question, is it? I've started to wonder about him because I don't know how much I've ever really seen him do. He used for like maybe five or ten minutes sometimes. Sometimes there are flashes and you think, wow. And then, yeah, other times you're baffled. That's it. And, and, you know, I feel bad even asking that because, look, all of this comes within the context of respect to the fact that all these guys are brilliant. But I'm just not sure. He's also a child? Is he technically a child? He's technically I an adult. I don't know if he's technically an adult now. I think he is. Isn't he 21 now? So I don't think he's... Is he, wait, hold on. Is he I don't think no, he's 19. 19, 19, okay. So in fairness, he is still a child. Yeah. Well, I suppose 18. Are we, are we going... What's that, what, what are we going for? 18, 18 or 21? 18, 18 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's a fully-fledged adult, but um, not a fully-fledged footballer in, in Sid's eyes yet. Yeah. Yet. Oh, no, there's no doubt there's talent there. Listen, we're going to move on. Uh, there's other stuff for us to talk about, although not a huge amount from that Elche-Barca game. Nothing. You you messaged me during it and said this is a bit boring. It was it was really dull, really really <laughs> dull. I mean, look, fundamentally, Barcelona were more or less in control. Yeah. Fundamentally, it was an okay performance, and Frankie de Jong in particular played very yes. well. But there wasn't much happening. You know, I, I watched the forward line and thought, so what? Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I really did watch the forward line and think, so what? Just a just a sort of a lack of substance to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not I mean, very much to say, to be perfectly honest with you. Has De Jong been their best player in 2021? Yeah, I think he probably has. Hmm. He certainly was. Well, with Pedri, of course. And that's the other thing. Yeah. Is Pedri, even in this game, and, and this, it, this may sound contradictory, but even this game where I didn't think that much of Pedri, he's still lovely to watch. Hmm. So, it means there were lovely turns, there were lovely bits of skill, there were moments when you can see that he understands the game around him so well, um, and he holds the ball so well. And that was lovely to watch. I'm not sure it was... Actually, there were a couple of chances he made. 
Um, so yeah, I, I guess in 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 2021, it's 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 Frankie and uh, and Pedri, isn't it? Of course, Leo Messi was suspended mm-hmm. for for that game, but he will be back and available for the midweek game in the Copa del Rey against Rayo Vallecano. Let's see whether or not he plays. Oh, he will, won't he? Because he missed the Cornellà game. I was thinking, yeah. that, yes, you're right. He, I hope he plays because I'm going. You are. <laughs> you got credited. It, That's it, good. Quite, quite nice to see him play that, that especially at, at Vallecas because you get quite close to the pitch there. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, all right, that was that was Elche Barca. It didn't. You know, warrant too much of a of a discussion. But if you do have any questions, send them to us, and we will talk about them on our Q and A pod over at patreon.com forward slash tsfp. Patrons get around about six hours worth of content, bonus content per month from just as little as five euros a month. So come join us. There's loads of stuff over there. And if there's anything that we didn't talk about on this pod, send us a question. We'll talk about it on the Q and A. Uh, on to Real Madrid's win at. Alaves, you've got a theory about Real Madrid and the manager and the players. Well, the theory is you you, you threaten the manager with the sack and the players play well. Yes. So the trouble is, how long can you keep doing that for? (laughs) Um, What did Emilio Butragano say after the game in terms of Zidane's uh, future? He dribbled this better than he dribbled around the Cardiff defence that time. (laughs) I mean, he was asked, um, I I apologise because I can't remember the exact wording of the question, but basically it was was essentially saying, were you going to sack him? Or was he in danger? And he started to dribble one way and he dribbled the other. He basically said something along the lines of, um, everyone knows what Zidane means for us. Uh, He's really, really important. Uh, Obviously, the most important thing is to get results. And we're all in this together. And then he said the line that really made me laugh most of all. He said, sometimes when results are bad, you have to listen to all these rumours. You have to. And in other words, you know, you hear all these rumours in the background. You've got no choice. You can't help but hear them. Right, OK. And, you know, there were all these... And, and essentially what he's saying is that, you know, it's the, the press doing all these rumours. Mate, you know that it's not just the press doing this. Um, well, uh, I saw a tweet from a Real Madrid fan saying, uh, Zidane takes charge of the team when we play the top half of the table. Betonia against the bottom half of the table and we'll win the, Result. We'll win the league. Yeah. I mean, Zidane, in fairness, was doing what the government is asking us to do, which is work from home. Yes, he was. He was working for home and pretty effectively as well. We said, is, do we know it was Zidane on the phone? Well, who else? Well, Petoni could have been talking to anyone. <laughs> could have been his mum. <laughs> mum, not now. I'm, I'm... <laughs> um, we're going to assume it was, uh, it was uh, Zidane, uh, who oversaw Benzema score, uh, score twice. And Edin Hazard scored his second goal yeah. of the season. Um, he scored three league goals for Real Madrid in... 34 games. No, 30... they're not all league games, are they? It's 34 in all competitions, I think. Yes. Sorry, right, I'll do some quick maths while, okay. you, while, while, he... while you talk about him. Hazard, I, I, I really quite liked the response to this from... Uh, from Avodabu. 23 league games. There we go. Right, three yeah. goals in 23 league games. Which isn't the worst turn ever, but this is a guy that you would expect to get 10 or 15 league goals a season, isn't it? More or less. Yeah, I mean, he's been injured. Partic- yes, exactly. And, and he's been injured and he's had he's had COVID and he hasn't had continuity. And, you know, there's there's lots of reasons why why it hasn't gone right that are not entirely his fault, that are not necessarily even about team structure. There's all sorts of things. I quite like the response to this particular game from Alvaro Bonito, who, of course, is a former Real Madrid player. He was a coach in the youth system and now he's on the TV and, and a commentator and a very good one. And, and he said, and I thought about it, I thought, I think you're probably right. He said, the thing about um, Hazard, because everyone's getting excited about the goal, he said, is essentially he's reached rock bottom. And we expected so much from him and we've seen so little that now with the slightest thing he does, we all grab hold of it. Go, look, there it is. And what he basically does is score a not particularly impressive goal. Nothing wrong with it. Oh, it's a nice goal. Yeah, it's a nice goal, but it's nothing wrong. There's nothing like it's not he's not done something amazing. 
in a game against a team that's falling apart. And and there's a bit of a thing. We want more from him, but maybe it's unfair to ask for more. But at least there's a sign of something there. And I still think Hazard, get him fit. And I think we'll, we'll really enjoy well, he, watching him playing. He is fit. Fully fit, I mean. I think it's more of a mental question, isn't it? That's a good, that's a good point. It the, might be. The, it might be. The point is that he's scared to take people on because of that terrible ankle injury that he had. And maybe. I think that's in the back of his mind rather than because apparently he's, he's, he's fit. He's... So maybe, maybe, maybe there needs to be, to be honest, I mean, put bluntly, maybe what he needs, as well as scoring a few goals, obviously, to kind of break through that, that, um, that block, if it is a mental block. The other thing he needs, he needs someone to absolutely whack him during a game and, and, for, him, and for him to be fine. And for him to get back up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of players who've been through injury say this, that almost the best thing that happened to him after the return was that first time that someone clobbered them and it was no worse than it had used to be. You know, it, it didn't make them think, oh, and they, they kind of got up and said, okay, I yeah. can take this now. I'm trying to think if he has been absolutely classic. I can't in think the game, of one. And perhaps not. Perhaps not. So there we may, go. May, maybe. Who are they playing next, Roman? Levante. Right, they need to ring Levante up and say, listen, can you get someone to give us a kick? <laughs> okay, it's, uh, it's a strange strategy, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> I mean, who surely knows? they can do that in training. I mean, Sergio Ramos will be willing, I imagine. Sergio Ramos wasn't available uh, for this game. No, but in training, right? But in training, uh, he, uh, yes, he's, he's very uh, willing. So, let's talk before we go uh, about Emissary. You mentioned him mm. uh, with that hat-trick for Sevilla against Cadiz. He is joint top scorer in La Liga with Luis Suarez. And you're convinced that that is not going to continue? Well, I think it's not going to continue. I mean, and I don't mean that as, as, a, as a dismissive thing to say. I, I, I mean that that's sort of natural. He's already achieving... Uh, a huge amount, considering the, if you like, the the build up to this. He's on twelve goals. His previous best was nine in a season. Um, his other totals in a season, I think, are four, four, and eight, or three, four, and eight. Admittedly, he's still very young. He's only twenty three. Um, obviously, this is partly uh, a kind of a splurge and, and a one off. He's scored in three games in a row. Two of those are hat tricks. So, so you know, you say you're twelve goals, yeah, but half of them in the last three games. Now, on one level, you can say oh, that's great because this is the emergence now of a great striker, and this will continue. The likelihood is it doesn't. But the fact that he's on 12 goals, 16 in all competitions, is already a long way to a really good season. Because if he only scores five or six more now in the league, that's a 17-18 goal season. That's a really good season for a striker. He's already in all competitions only one goal off Ocampos for the whole of last year. And Ocampos was Sevilla's top scorer. Yeah. So what Sevilla are getting is a contribution from him in goal scoring. And I think it's really significant because this is a guy that wasn't even first choice. No, it was for a lot of last season. I, I think I think I looked at the statistics and I think he played. Uh, I think he only started seven of his league games last year, or maybe it was eleven. I think it's eighteen in total. And it's eleven and seven. I can't remember if it's eleven starts, seven sub, or seven sub, eleven starts. Um, Luke de Jong was a- ahead of him. Obviously, the the work they've done with Enesiri has involved a shift in the way that the Sevilla play, or at least the way that the forward plays, because they're totally different players. Luke de Jong is technically far better uh, in terms of decision-making, much, much better, but nowhere near as quick, nowhere near as dynamic. Uh, doesn't get into the area with his feet as often, but much better in the air. And the finishing. And the finishing. The finish, well, the weird thing is, I don't think any series is na- a natural finisher either. And I think they, Sevilla have had to work with this, and, and Sevilla themselves, I think, would, would admit that these that the series is technically not brilliant in that he he plays to use that great Spanish phrase acelerado I don't know what you call that in it, it, like he's in a hurry yeah and sometimes that means the ball runs off in funny angles 
but I think I think he's he's in a really good place for this. And and Julian Lopetegui said this at the weekend that the quote off the game was he's in the right place. He's very young. He's got room to improve, and he's in the right place. And I think he's right because he's got a club. And I think one of the mistakes we make with Monchi is to look at Monchi as the guy who signs people. He does. But he's also the guy that creates the environment in which those people succeed. I think there's an, there's an emotional element to this. And bear in mind that Ennisiri missed that goal against Bayern Munich at the start of the season. And Monchi was part of the process of making sure it didn't sink him and so on. So you've got Monchi there and the environment. And then you've got Lopetegui. And there are very few managers, I think, who spend the time that Lopetegui does on individual technical sides of the game as Lopetegui does. And so the work that he's done with Ennisir in terms of teaching him the movements, teaching him the, the decision-making processes, the, the, the natural things he's got, the athleticism, the resistance, at, um, at, what, what do you call it? Alta intensidad, what do you call that in English? Kind of high-intensity, consistent sprints. You know, most players can maybe do, most strikers can maybe do six or seven flat-out sprints a whole game or four or five flat-out sprints a whole game. This guy can do 10, 15. I mean, he genuinely can. He's physically, he athletically, he's absolutely fantastic. I think technically and tactically, he's still limited. He's very one-footed. Um, as I say, I think his finishing's not always that crisp. Mm. Look at even the goals this weekend. The finishing's yeah. not that crisp, really. Yeah. Um, and so I think what Sevilla have done is a lot of work with him to get him to this point. I think he will continue to contribute, but of course we can't expect him. I don't think necessarily to compete to be Pichichi. But I'd love him to. It'd be really nice if he does. You don't think he's going to move to West Ham then? Well, he said after the game that he wouldn't. Um, he was asked about this. And this is... Right, just come back to, to end this series. At the weekend, um, I was listening to the radio. I think it was on my way to the Atletico game last night. So it would have been Radio Marca. Um, which is why I have on in the car, because it tunes in. Um, I was listening to this. It's not the only reason. They're quite good as well. And what the Sevilla guy was saying... Their Sevilla correspondent was talking about end this series. He said, we well, need to sell him now. Before they realise that he's not this good. Yeah. And that was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but there's a certain element of truth in that. The problem is that Sevilla can't sell him now, because what do you do, unless you've got someone lined up to replace him? You can't lose that player between now and then the season. Also, they turned down the first bid from West Ham, um, and he said after the game at the weekend, and I thought it was interesting, because one of the reasons why I think he was telling the truth was because it was quite blunt. It wasn't, I'm staying here because this is the greatest club in the world. He said, I'm staying here for now. He said, I want to, see out the se- I want to play to the end of the season. I'm not going anywhere. Sevilla is a big club too. Not Sevilla is a great club, but Sevilla is a big club too. And I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought the fact that it wasn't kind of full on, oh, no, 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 actually made it feel more believable to me. And I I suspect, by the way, in Sevilla, we've said this before, are a club that make a virtue of selling players. They do. If in the summer there's still the option and someone still wants to pay good money for him, and they have the time to replace him, then I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him go, I would be surprised, and I'm making a hostage fortune for myself here now, I would be surprised if he goes in this window. Okay. Let's see, there's not much time left. There's not a huge amount of time left. And unless they've, got a, if they, unless they've got a replacement, or unless the bid is absolutely stratospheric, yeah. I just don't see them accepting it. They've got 9 million euros from La Real for Carlos Fernandez. Well, that's the other thing. If you do let him go, then, the, then you say, well, you let him go and we'll develop Carlos Fernandes. But he's gone now. Yeah. And I think, by the way, he's going to be a very good player. Okay. A very good player. I All think right. technically, he's probably better than in the series. 
Oh. Technically. Okay. Watch this space. Um, that's almost all we've got time for uh, for this edition of the pod. Before we go, a, a quick uh, mention of what happened in the Segunda División this weekend, where uh, at the top of the table, Mallorca were the only side in the top six uh, to win. They uh, beat fellow uh, promotion chasers, Raya Vallecano, by three goals to one in Vallecas. They were 3-0 up after 20 minutes. It was absolutely horrendous. Uh, Espanyol <laughs> uh, lost at Girona uh, as well, uh, Almeria drew with uh, with Sabadell and Oviedo drew 0-0 with uh, Logrodiez yeah Rodrigo ruled out um, yes. in, in what was a pretty terrible game there we go where are Oviedo I'm scrolling About oh they're 11th 11th that's 10th or 11th there that's go. not 11th, bad that's, that's far enough Eight points off the drop zone. There and how go. many off pr- promotion? Oh, don't worry from. about that. You're not going to get promoted. <laughs> You're not going to get Sadly, promoted. Sadly, I think you are right. That's all right. Six points off, off, uh, off a player. Yeah, it's not impossible. That's why the Segunda Division is good to be a fan yeah. of the Segunda. Because, yeah, you know... You literally... Yeah. Could be anything could happen to you, pretty much. Yeah, and there's always something to play for, and there's yeah. always, you know, there's always a bit of hope. Um, we'll end on that note. Always a bit of hope. Um, join us over at Patreon throughout the week. We've got a Q and A pod tomorrow. We've got a bonus pod on Thursday to talk about the Copa del Rey. Probably, on yeah, Thursday. probably. There yeah. are still games on Thursday, aren't there? There are still games on yeah. Thursday, but we'll uh, um, we'll record on Thursday as well. So uh, make sure you come and join us then. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Alternatively, we'll see you here next Monday. Adios. Cheerio. Podcast Network.